Hola, mi gente. It's Joshua. As founder and host of the Basel podcast, I want to thank you for listening to this show where we highlight stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community from La Isla to the diaspora. Let's be honest. Traditional media is not lifting up Puerto Rican stories that reflect the nuance and beauty that exist in our community. And we hope this show plays a little part in changing that. If you want to help us share the diverse and vibrant stories that make up the Puerto Rican communities here on Paseo Boricua in Chicago and around the world, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcasts. Subscribing helps more people find the show and will help you make sure you never miss an episode. Leaving a five-star rating or whatever the highest rating in your app is and showing some love in the comments helps too. You can always give a donation by looking up the Paseo podcast on SaveChicagoMedia.org. All right, that's enough from me. Enjoy the show. Bienvenidos to the Paseo Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Smizer de Leon. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. If you're not, welcome back. Uh, it has been a great time uh, for me and my annual summer break from podcasting and social media. Uh, honestly, y'all, it was great to unplug. I really think we all should work in that time to detox, but man, I chose quite an interesting time to detox and take a break because a lot of Puerto Rican and Puerto Rico news has happened since we started our break back in June, um, which brings us to today's topic, Hurricane Fiona in Puerto Rico. Uh, if you've been living under a rock, what you should know is people are losing their homes. Parts of the island are in shambles. The electrical grid continues to fail, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I could, you know, be on my soapbox here talking all day about what the issues are and what, how this could have been prevented, but I am not nearly as qualified to speak about this as today's guest, Jesse Fuentes, uh, people that have stuck with us since the first episode know that jesse is no stranger to the show i actually wore my humble park hoodie for those watching us on youtube because she's my humble park amiga uh we go we go a ways back uh she's held multiple titles been involved in the puerto rican community uh, especially in the humble park community for many many years and today she holds uh two titles she's the co-chair of the puerto rican agenda here in chicago and she's also the director of policy and youth advocacy for the puerto rican cultural center here in Chicago. Uh, so without further ado, Jesse Fuentes, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me, Joshua. This is, you know, one of my favorite podcasts, one of my favorite channels. Always interview with some of my favorite people. And so it's always a privilege to be here. Right on. Okay. Well, it's a privilege to have you. Um, uh, there's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to delivering aid to uh, Puerto Rico in the wake of Hurricane Fiona. So Jesse, just want to kind of do a little rapid fire conversation here to bring, bring people up to speed. Uh, let's start with Hurricane Fiona's impact on Puerto Rico. Uh, what should people know? You know, is this any different than Hurricane Maria and Hurricane Irma? Is it the same? You know, kind of give us that breakdown. What, what has been the, the storm's impact on the island? Absolutely. So first and foremost, there is a difference between Hurricane Fiona and Hurricane Maria. Hurricane Maria swept the entire island of Puerto Rico in one turn of the hurricane, right? And really devastating 100% of the island um, at a category five. Hurricane Fiona sits at a category one um, storm, at a category one hurricane, and really impacting the southern 
uh, southwestern region of Puerto Rico in particular, what Hurricane Fiona has done is drop 30 inches in some municipalities, almost 50 inches of water um, in these municipalities, literally creating catastrophic floods. We're watching homes uh, exist underwater right now. We have seen, um, and some of us can't remove the image of the bridge that was built after Hurricane Maria in Utuado being ripped from its infrastructure and taken away by a landslide, right? That is what we are experiencing in Puerto Rico. We have had the privilege of having President Biden declare Puerto Rico a state of emergency immediately. And so, you know, there were about a thousand people that were saved from the National Guard that were stuck in between two rivers um, in a town that was flooding. Uh, but the, I think that the more serious conversation here is about the, the power grid in Puerto Rico, right? Here we gave hundreds of millions of dollars to a private company out of Canada to build a power structure, an infrastructure of energy after Hurricane Maria and a category one storm left 100% of Puerto Rico without power, right? In some cases, right, some people feel like this may be worse than Maria because how can a category one leave 100% of the island in the dark, in the dark, right? We have to understand the psychological trauma that comes with once again having to exist in the dark, very close to the anniversary of Hurricane Maria. Right. So today's the 22nd. On the 20th, it was the fifth anniversary that Hurricane Maria had devastated the island. I think it's interesting to know. And we've talked about uh, the electrical grid on the show before. We've talked about the privatization and Luma's influence. Um, I think it's important for us to also acknowledge that in addition to a unreliable electrical um, grid, uh, the price of electricity has gone up seven times in a single year. It's like you're giving somebody a raise and they're crappy at their job. Um, and I, I found, Jesse, when watching the news and when the privatization of Puerto Rico's electrical grid is brought up, uh, it's brought up with little context as to how it was privatized. I think a lot of people think that Puerto Ricans wanted to privatize their electrical grid, uh, but that totally ignores the influence of the United States, La Junta, uh, and basically the, the squeezing and squeezing of trying to get as much juice from a rock as you can, the rock being La Isla. Um, and I think it's interesting that when Hurricane Maria hit, everybody was really getting on the Trump administration. And I mean, he, he was awful um, and held up aid. I mean, there's, no, there's no question. Um, but now we have a, that was a category five with Hurricane Maria. You're, you mentioned it, Fiona's a category one. And the devastation that comes from a category one shows that it's more than just one presidential administration. There's a systemic issue here that's not being addressed. Absolutely. Hey there, we want to take a moment to thank our partners, the Puerto Rican Cultural Center of Chicago and the Chicago Independent Media Alliance for their support. This show would not be possible without them. And shout out to our amazing podcast team. Learn more about them and the show by visiting our website, paseomedia.org. Enjoy the rest of the show. In your conversations with, with uh, people on the island, people in the Puerto Rican community, is there anything that you're hearing um, in terms of like 
aid? Like what are, what are some of the things that people really want? I mean, without electricity, those pumps aren't working to filter out the water. So you get where I'm going. So is it like the big need yeah. is clean water? Like what, what are you hearing from people as the, what is the greatest need from an aid standpoint? Yeah, I think that in, in Puerto Rico, Right. Again, not all of the island is flooded or impacted by mudslides and landslides. I think that there is an ability to go to other parts of the island and obtain clean water. I think we have to seriously consider, and you know, we, we had a lot of lessons learned after Hurricane Maria, shipping pallets of water, the logistics of that, right, is, is not something that can be turned overnight. Uh, and people in Puerto Rico need our help now. And so it's it's almost not worth the time, right? To think about how are we going to organize people to donate water, pallet them, package them, get a plane and an airline to commit to shipping them and then sending it to Puerto Rico and figuring out the logistics on the receiving end. I think what people in Puerto Rico have articulated clearly is that they need monetary contributions at the local level, not funds dedicated to the central government. We should be sending money to local organizations on the ground that are doing the work, that have the experience on cleaning up debris, that have the experience on opening up centers in which we can obtain and get clean water for the residents of those municipalities. We can get, cook, and feed the individuals of those municipalities. But we are also investing in the economy of Puerto Rico. One thing that you know we did early in Hurricane Maria was to purchase everything at the diaspora, in the diaspora, and then send it to Puerto Rico. Unfortunately, every dollar we spent did not contribute to the economy of Puerto Rico. And so we are committed not only to ensuring that we can raise enough funds to be able to send once again micro grants to the most impacted municipalities after Hurricane Fiona, but to also ensure that it gets to the hands of the people who are doing the work because they know what's best and they know what they need at the ground level. Um, and, and we have to be able to respect the processes that they put in place as they are engaging in a process of relief, rescue, and recovery. Um, and we should aid in the process that they design, not design it for them, right? That would be another uh, colonial framework imposed on people. And, you know, we want to be able to do away with colonial practices and truly affirm the experiences and the professionalism of the people on the island. I'll be honest, like as soon as Fiona hit La Isla, all everybody in my network that were Puerto Rican, not Puerto Rican, sending me text messages, phone calls. Yeah. Hey, how can we help? How can we help? How can we help? And then I found myself like in a mad dash to figure out like, okay, you know, uh, this is reliable. This is not reliable. Um, you know, I came across this one foundation. You know, I try to do as much research as I can before you know, recommending something to, to someone. Um, and I came across this one foundation called Integro Foundation. Uh, it's mm -hmm. it's uh, founded by Brock Pierce, cryptocurrency billionaire, uh, trying to gentrify the island, buying up all types of real estate. Um, so don't give to organizations like that. <laughs> you know, so you're like, no. you, you might come up people like there's sure people listening, you might come across this stuff. So you, do your research. Um, there are really good organizations in the different municipalities that are doing work like Jesse's saying, and we have people in the diaspora trying to uh, do what we can to support residents of Puerto Rico. Um, which, which brings me to uh, one of my last questions, Jesse, the three R's campaign. I had started this question mm -hmm. asking, how can people help? Um, we talked about the importance of research. Now let's talk about action. 
three hours campaign. Yeah. You all start the Puerto Rican agenda started this in response to Hurricane Maria, Hurricane Irma, um, the first uh, organization in the diaspora to actually have a plane land on the island after uh, after the storm, um, which was a feat in and of itself, uh, considering all the logistics and the chaos at that time. So the infrastructure mm -hmm. is there. I saw you relaunched the three R's campaign. Tell us about yep. it. Tell us how people can support. Um, and if there's ways for people to get involved in the campaign, I'd love to hear that too. Absolutely. So the three R's campaign is rescue, relief, and rebuild. And we launched that campaign knowing that after Hurricane Maria, there was going to be phases in which we were going to have Puerto Rico recover. And, and, I, and I do want to say this. Puerto Rico has not yet recovered from Hurricane Maria five years later. And that's a, that's a fact we have to grapple with. There are still thousands of families five years after Hurricane Maria that have blue tarps on their roofs, right? Do not have the infrastructure to sustain themselves in any storm five years after Maria. The three R's campaign was a campaign that was able to raise um, over $600,000 and give it in micro grants to 50 municipalities, 50 towns across the island of Puerto Rico. We also helped rebuild the school in Luisa and created a safety center in Comerillo. And so the three R's campaign has the infrastructure to be able to get money in and get money out really quick. We're not a foundation that's creating a comprehensive process and asking people to write, you know, 30, 40 page proposals to get a micro grant because the people of Puerto Rico don't have time to write 30 to 40 pages. They're boots on the ground trying to get the work done and feeding their families. And so we have over the last five years um, after Hurricane Maria and after the earthquakes, built very meaningful relationships with local institutions, small nonprofit agencies, families, small businesses, and local elected officials to ensure that we have the communication lines to be able to get the money in and get the money out. And that's our model, right? Three R's campaign is super simple. Uh, we want to be able to ensure that we can help in the recovery of Puerto Rico. And so here are the ways to help, right? You can go to our website, PuertoRicanChicago.org, and you can donate. Or you can go to our Facebook page and find the PayPal button easily and donate. If you don't have the means to donate, you can host a fundraiser in which we can raise the money and take that money and donate. If you don't have the money to donate, you can give the feedback of where you believe the most impacted family, organization, town, um, or barrio is at in which we can dedicate resources to. You can attend Puerto Rican agenda meetings and be a part of the strategy plan in terms of how we disperse money. There are so many ways to help outside of uh, donating. And I also want folks to know there is no dollar that is short enough, right? Every, every dollar counts, every penny counts. You have a dollar to donate, donate the dollar. You have $5 to donate, donate the $5. If we can triple or quadruple our efforts, uh, we will raise enough money. I believe that we will raise enough money to truly be a part of the recovery process. Um. So Jesse, last question I had for you, and appreciate you giving us that whole breakdown and how to how to support. Um, what are you most hopeful for 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 Puerto Rico in the coming months, in the coming year? I mean, not to say a wand can be waved and all of the issues impacting the island uh, are solved, but you know, what are you most hopeful for going into these next few months, this next year? Yeah, I think in the in the immediate 
context, I hope that, you know, the diaspora can continue to be a place that truly um, is a part of the recovery of Puerto Rico. And I think the diaspora showed so much after Hurricane Maria, right? While some of us don't live on the island, that pedacito of patria holds deep in our heart um, while we are here in the diaspora. And so we will continue to do everything we can to support Puerto Rico. I also hope that the Biden administration, outside of immediately um, establishing that Puerto Rico was in a state of emergency and, and actually giving Puerto Rico, you know, some of the recovery that they deserve, I want the Biden administration to release the money that's in the U.S. Treasury that should have gone to Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. There's still money in that U.S. Treasury that Puerto Rico deserves, and it should be released immediately. Can I interrupt I you? Can I interrupt that, you real yep. quick, Jesse? Because I think you bring up a good point. Can you share if there's has the Biden administration said why they haven't released those funds yet? Because it's been no. I mean, we're going on two years of his administration. Yeah, no, there no there clarity. hasn't been a reason of why we haven't. No, okay. Uh, but yeah, good point, Joshua. We should receive clarity of why it's still sitting in the U.S. Treasury, and then it should be released immediately. Yeah. But there should also be more recovery dollars dedicated to Puerto Rico just for Fiona, right? We should not take the money that's currently in the U.S. Treasury and say, this is for Fiona. No, Puerto Rico has deserved that money since Hurricane Maria, and that should just be dedicated to the recovery post Hurricane Maria. We should be ensuring that we find more money from the richest country in the world to ensure that Puerto Rico has the infrastructure that it deserves, right? That's one. Two, we need to hold Luma accountable. We must demand transparency. I want to know where those hundreds of millions of dollars have gone in terms of building a power grid. I want to know for every resident in Puerto Rico that has had their light bill quadrupled, what are they paying for? We should demand accountability and we should demand transparency. And you know, last but not least, that colonial rule in Puerto Rico must end. It's, you know, it's enough. People in Puerto Rico are exhausted. They are tired of being treated as second-class citizens, of not having the ability to be self-determined, of going through tragedies over and over again and not getting the aid they deserve. We did it for Texas. We do it for Florida. We do it for every state across this country. But when it comes to Puerto Rico, they come second and last, always. And that has everything to do with the colonial relationship that Puerto Rico has to the United States. And so for every person, I mean, elections are coming up, right? Our general elections are coming up. For every person that's seeking a congressional seat and a Senate seat, Puerto Rico can no longer come last in their political agendas, right? We really need to begin having a conversation around how do we put Puerto Rico in a process of self-determination, allow Puerto Ricans on the island to make informed decisions on what their status will be, and how we truly create a process of decolonization for Puerto Ricans on the island and Puerto Ricans in the diaspora. So with, without decolonization, I don't see the path forward for Puerto Rico. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad to think about. Uh, we could live in an era in our lifetime, in your and I's lifetime, where the majority of people living on La Isla are not Puerto Ricans. 
Um, and it's it, global it, gentrification, global gentrification, oof, taking over the world. Literally, it, it really is a shame that people of Puerto Rico deserve more. Um, I'm going to keep a close eye on this story. I'm really happy that uh, you are co-chair of the PR agenda and you guys are organized. You all are organizing. Um, I'm sure the different municipalities you're working with really appreciate the help, especially help from the diaspora. Um, you know, we're, we're a family, even though we're not on the island, you know, we're still, we still have that patria. Before we officially wrap up, can you share with people listening how they can stay up to date with you, the Puerto Rican agenda, the cultural center, the three R's campaign, you know, how can people keep up with everything you're doing? Absolutely. Well, we, we are committed to making sure that our website is up to date and the content is there. We also want to be extremely transparent around how much money we're raising and how much money we're sending out. The Puerto Rican agenda has had a history of being honest and transparent about our funds. I also want to add 100% of the money that is donated goes to aid. We do not take a penny for any administrative costs. We don't buy a plane ticket. We don't book a hotel. Nothing. Anytime we go to Puerto Rico to take these micro grants, that comes out of our own pockets, never from donations. And so, you know, keep up with our Facebook page, keep up with our website. But I also invite folks who live in Chicago, even if you want to drive into Chicago, the Puerto Rican Agenda meets every first Saturday of the month at nine o'clock in the morning inside of Roberto Clemente Community Academy. And that is an open forum for all folks that want to be a part of the self-determination of Puerto Rico and Puerto Ricans across the diaspora. All right. That's our show for today. Co-chair of the PR Agenda, Director of Policy and Youth Advocacy for the Puerto Rican Cultural Center, Jesse Fuentes. Thank you again for coming on the Paseo Podcast. Thank you. Hey there. We want to take a moment to thank our partners, the Puerto Rican Cultural Center of Chicago and the Chicago Independent Media Alliance for their support. This show would not be possible without them. And shout out to our amazing podcast team. Learn more about them and the show by visiting our website, baseomedia.org. Enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, mi gente, that is our show for today. I do have a few things I want to put on your radar. Um, first and foremost, special thank you to Jesse Fuentes for coming on the show. Uh, we actually recorded that episode a couple of weeks ago, uh, which reminds me, we're about four episodes away from 100. So we'll have a big announcement um, to share with you all for that episode. So stay tuned. Actually, I wanted to share it on this episode, but things have been so chaotic. It's like, we got to get this stuff out. Uh, like I said, we did this interview with Jesse coming off of a very long extended summer break, um, for the project. Um, and, uh, it was a great vacation, but, uh, got to get back into the rhythm of things. So we're charging ahead to episode 100 and really happy to have Jesse on to talk about her work. I think she holds the record for being on our show the most number of times. I think she's like at three. Uh, um, but yeah, she, she actually, no, I'm sorry. You know what? She's tied actually with Sabrina uh, Alicea. And speaking of Sabrina, uh, I was recently on her show called Everything is Trash. I want to say we recorded this back in August. But if you want to hear more about me, my educational journey, my professional journey, um, we kind of cover a lot of ground, even a, a bunch of Puerto Rico trivia. So it's really worth a listen. I think you'll like it. It's a quick conversation, but it's called Everything is Trash. You can find it wherever podcasts are streamed. And again, it's hosted by a friend of the show, Sabrina Alicea. Uh, again, go through our catalog. You can see all the episodes she's been on. She's done some really good work in the community. She's also uh, a former uh, Chicago public school teacher, entrepreneur. So uh, if you want to go support her, if you like this podcast, you want to support a friend of the podcast, definitely uh, give, her, give her show a listen. 
Last thing I wanted to share with y'all is that we are back in our uh, fundraiser with the Chicago Independent Media Alliance. Um, people that have listened to the show uh, when we joined the Chicago Independent Media Alliance know how big of a deal it was for us. Um, you know, the Paseo Podcast is a proud member of SEMA. Uh, that's Chicago Independent Media Alliance for short. Um, and if you're hearing this name for the first time, it's a coalition of local outlets that amplify neighborhood voices. So if you want to do that, you want to give to us directly, give to a general pot or another uh, media outlet in the Chicago media space, uh, you can do that at savechicagomedia.org. There's a, uh, nearly 40 different outlets participating in this. Uh, so savechicagomedia.org. Give if you can. Uh, and if you can't, that's totally fine. Just you listening is enough support. Uh, and actually, that's a great segue because if you can't uh, donate uh, any of your treasure, know that you can always support the show by subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Subscribing and leaving the highest rating in app really helps people find the show. Um, and I've mentioned in previous episodes, you know, if you can't subscribe, if you don't want to leave a high rating, you know, we always appreciate hearing um, comments. So whether that's you send it to our email at baselpodcast at gmail.com, you're commenting on our social media pages at Basel Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, we like hearing from people. So constructive feedback, uh, positivity, you know, we want to we want all that energy coming our way because it helps us make the show better. And if you're not following us on social media, do that. Like I said, at Basel Podcast, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Can't do TikTok because my head would explode. Uh, so <laughs> that's that's TBD. Um, but uh, really, really excited that y'all have been with us on this journey up to this point. I can't believe we're already at episode 100. And I'm excited to share next, uh, well, the next episode in a couple of weeks with uh, the president of the National uh, Hockey Association for Puerto Rico. You heard that right. Puerto Rico actually has a national hockey team. And it's uh, in large part due to the work of our guests, Scott Vargas, who is the president, um, and uh, his awesome team. Uh, my wife and I got a chance to interview him over the summer, took in a couple of Puerto Rico games um, against local teams. Uh, and uh, it was a beautiful energy to see a bunch of Puerto Ricans with their banderas, with their PR gear, uh, all supporting um, a Puerto Rican national team made up of people, of Boricuas from La Isla and from the diaspora. So we're going to learn more about what hockey in Puerto Rico looks like, learn more about the National um, Hockey League uh, team and uh, some of their plans for the future. Uh, but it's a really revealing episode uh, and you don't really associate hockey with Puerto Ricans as much, I think mainly due to the weather on La Isla. Uh, but, um, Scott really gave a lot of good insights. So I'm, I'm excited to share that uh, interview with y'all. Okay. That is it. Uh, until then, as always, if you want to pitch a story, nominate yourself or someone else for an interview or share a new story you'd like us to discuss in the show, visit our website, baseomedia.org to do just that. See you in two weeks. Cuídate.